Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on Ash Wednesday, 2024, on the basis of Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. Our gospel text and also our sermon text for this evening from Luke chapter 18. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The word of the Lord. Dust you are, and to dust you will return. How did those words hit you? They're, they're kind of sobering words, aren't they? And then when you're also having ashes applied to your skin, with those words spoken over you, it's a harsh reality check. It's a reality that we talk about a lot here, but you maybe don't think about all that much if you walk out that door, that you are dust, and to dust you will return. One day you will die, and, and sometimes we, we think about this, right? Um, if, if you start to have some health stuff, you, your mind might go there, right? Your, your mind might go down that hole, and you might start to, to realize or realize that the truth that, yes, you are mortal, <laughs> One day you will die. And sometimes it's, it's a funeral. Sometimes it's a, especially a sudden funeral. You, you start to realize that tomorrow's not promised for, for anyone, right? Um, it could be even something pretty simple, right, that, that confronts you with that reality of your own mortality. It, it could be something as simple as a birthday, getting another year older. It, you can't escape it. One day we will die. We are all mortal, and as inescapable and terrible as that may seem, it really is just a symptom of an even bigger problem. Sin. Death was the result of sin. Death came into the world because of sin. Not by God's design, but by the sin that, the, that Adam and Eve had committed. And so we, we may not like to think about the fact that one day we, we might die, and we do a pretty good job of pushing that one off. But another thing that we do a good job of pushing off is our sin and not confronting our own sin head on. That's a pretty good lead in to talking about our, our parable for this evening. The, the Pharisee um, that, that Jesus is talking about is the, the first one, that, the, the first man in this parable. Just to remind you a little bit about Pharisees, uh, Pharisees were the, the Jewish religious leaders of the day. They were well-respected amongst their, their peers. Um, people went to them with questions that they had about life, about God, 
they were looked up to by the people around them. And it seems like we have no reason to believe that the Pharisee in this parable that Jesus is telling is, is any different. And this Pharisee, he's on his way to the temple. You kind of see in the picture here, they're in this temple, right? They're on their way to the temple to, to pray. And he gets to the temple and we're, we're told a couple things, just so you can picture the scene. You can kind of see it up there too. It, it, we're, we're told that he, he stood kind of off by himself and, and he stood and prayed. So can you picture that a bit? Now, we, sh- we shouldn't read too much into the standing. You know, sometimes we, we think of a humble prayer being one where you're, you're kneeling or something like that. And, and we do stand for prayers here too, right? Uh, but, but standing was actually a typical position to pray in. So, so don't read into that, but maybe read into what he was saying. Because it tells you a lot about this Pharisee and it tells you a lot about his heart. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. He sees the tax collector over there, right? I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Now, let me ask you this. You think that's how a mortal man ought to approach the immortal God? He thinks himself to be pretty good, though. He, He thinks that he is an upright guy, that he is is righteous. And, and you can feel the, the, the arrogance dripping from his, his words, right? Uh, he, he thinks God should be thankful that he gets to associate with a guy like him. And he, he brings out two reasons. If you look really closely, he brings out two reasons as to why he thinks that way. And the first is because he's comparing himself to other people, right? He, he's comparing himself and his own behavior and his own life to the robbers, to the evildoers, to the adulterers, and to the tax collector. Certainly, if you added up all of the good works that, that, that these group of people did, and you compared them to just this one man, this one Pharisee, uh, they, they wouldn't eclipse him. He, he had done way more good things th- than these people. As God was, was looking down on humanity, and, and he, he had the, the troublemakers of, of the world, uh, the Pharisee would not have been counted among those. That would have been the robber, the evildoer, the, the tax collector, and the adulterer. Those were the ones that giving, were giving God headaches. But the Pharisee, surely God was smiling on, on him. He had it together. Now, Jesus is being hyperbolic here. He, he's, he's, being, uh, he's playing this up to make a point so that we can see without much trouble what, what he's trying to say. But, but as we start to apply that to our heart, we can think that that's a pretty easy game to, to play, isn't it? The, the comparison game. And, and it does make you feel a little bit better for a little bit. Because no matter how much sin you have in your life, no matter how much dysfunction is going on right now for, for you, you can always find someone who has a little bit more. And it can feel good for just a little bit. But God doesn't play that game. God's your judge, and, and he doesn't judge you on the basis of your uh, relationship to your peers or, or how you stack up against your peers. God judges you in how you stack up against his law. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. We're the ones that try to, we try to lower the bar to pacify our, our own guilty consciences and make ourselves feel better about ourselves, but God leaves no doubt 
The standard is perfection, and anything less than that is sin, and sin leads to death. What the Pharisee failed to realize is he was the same as the people that he was thanking God that he was not like. He was the same as the the robber, the evildoer, the adulterer, and even that tax collector that was over there. And you know how you can know? Their lives would end the same way. They'd all die. Death is the result of sin. Sin leads to death. If if someone didn't sin, they, they wouldn't die. He's the same as them because he, he will one day die and because he has sin, he, he's just deluding himself to the fact that that's the, the truth. He doesn't want to deal with the sin that he has. Okay, that, that was the first why. The second why as to why the Pharisee felt good about himself, felt like he was upright, uh, came in the last few things that he said. He said, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. He believes himself to be pretty good because of the works that he was doing, because of how he was living his life, because his behavior was better than other people. You know, there comes the comparison again, right? But it makes you kind of wonder, why did he pick those two things, right? Certainly, there were so many other things in his life that he could have pointed to and said, I did this, I did this, I, I volunteer here, I, 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 think, I don't think like this. I, you know, he would have all these other things that he could bring up, but he brings up the fasting, and he brings up his giving. Why those two? Maybe, let's just imagine for a second, maybe in his own estimation, he thinks that these are his best works. These are the things that he does the best. In fact, maybe he's playing the comparison game a little bit again and saying, these are the things that that I do better than anyone else. No one else is as consistent with their fasting as I am. I fast twice a week. That guy only does once, right? And some people don't even do it at all. Uh, I give a tenth of all I get. Uh, Most people hardly give anything, right? But but I give a tenth. He he felt pretty good about these two things. These two things were were the things that he thought made him stand in good standing with God. Again, Jesus is bringing out the point here by being a, a little hyperbolic here. And it's a good, good thing to apply to our heart because it becomes a temptation for especially long-time Christians, people who have known Jesus and his grace for a long time. Because as you grow, as you start to grow in your faith, it would be natural to, to grow in your obedience and to grow in your discipline and to grow in your, your self-control. Some of those sins that you used to commit, maybe you don't commit anymore. Right? Because you've grown in your faith. You've, you've overcome some of those sins. And you maybe can even come up with examples of times where the devil has tempted you and, and you pushed the devil away. You said no. You resisted that temptation. It gives you a lot of confidence when that happens. The devil doesn't leave you, though. The devil's temptation comes with you as your obedience grows. And the temptation that comes with obedience is arrogance. You start to, to feel like you're a pretty strong person. That, that You have all of these examples of times you've re- resisted temptation. You start to think that you're pretty good for doing that. That you have grown so strong that you could stand up against the devil's temptations. These victories start to, to go to your head a little bit. When that happens, the works that you do and the temptations that you resist 
are, are no longer done because you love God and because you want to give thanks and praise to Him. But at best, you think that you're trying to earn something with Him by offering Him these gifts. And at worst, you're trying to prop yourself up and make yourself feel pretty good, maybe kind of like this Pharisee. When that's the case, we do pretty well to hear the words from Isaiah, words that, that I'm, sh- I'm sure you've heard before. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Even the best works that we can put together are filthy rags before God because they're, they're tainted with sin. They're only made clean by, by Jesus. Okay, then there's another man in the parable, right? The, the tax collector. And you notice a few things about him, too. And his body language tells you a little bit about him. He stands at a distance, right? Uh, the, the, the Pharisee was, was separating himself from others, but the, the text says that the, the tax collector was, was um, distancing himself. He, he did not want any attention on him. It was maybe just pure chance that the Pharisee saw him in, in the distance and included him in his prayer, right? He doesn't want anybody to see him. His, his face is downcast. It says he, he couldn't even lift his head up to, to the heavens, right? His head was downcast, and he was beating his breast. That's not something we, we do all that often. It maybe even means something different today, right? But when they would do that in, in that day, that was a sign of contrition. It was a sign of, of great sadness. And then the, the tax collector says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, this is a man who knows that he lacks righteousness. This is a man who knows what God expects from him and knows that he has fallen way short of that. He's got a list of examples a mile, mile long to that effect. This is a man who knows that even the best thing that he did that day or that week um, was, wasn't going to earn him anything with, with God. They were filthy rags. He knew enough about himself and enough about his life, and enough about his past to despair of his own works, to despair of his own behavior. And he also knew enough about God to know that he needed to rely on God's mercy. And God had mercy for him. This man approaches God as a mortal approaching an immortal God, with a contrite heart, in humility, laying his sins before God his Father and begging for his mercy, knowing that God wouldn't have to give him that mercy, but knowing his God, he knew that he would. And God extends this man this mercy because of the love that he showed to us through Jesus on the cross for us. That Jesus died for the sins of this tax collector, just like he died for our sins. Jesus brings that out at the end of the parable as he gives his explanation. He says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, declared not guilty before God. The tax collector was justified because he rested his confidence, his faith, not on himself, but on God. This mortal was gifted immortality by God because of the forgiveness that Jesus had won for him on the cross. And you mortals 
have been gifted the same thing from God. The Apostle Paul said this in, in 2 Timothy. He said, This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. It hits you a little different when you, you know Jesus. It does remind you that you are mortal, that one day you will die. It does remind you that, that yes, you are sinful. But those in Jesus, who believe in Jesus, will live even though they die. Amen. Hi there, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for taking time this week to, to be in the Word and to grow in your faith. We know that where the Word is preached, the Holy Spirit is working to strengthen and to create faith in the hearts of people. Uh, because we know that's the case, uh, and if you enjoy these sermon podcasts, we'd, we'd really love it if you'd share these with your friends. Uh, this is a, an easy way to evangelize and to get the Word into people's ears. And, and as a way of also doing that, could you hit like or subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast? This is just a way that we are able to be seen by more people so that more people may hear this gospel message. We hope you'll join us next week as we, we dive into God's word yet again. God bless.